Hello, good to have you here once again. And today, I just want to have a conversation about the issue or the subject matter of sexual abstinence. Sexual abstinence. Now, we are in a culture that is obsessed with sexual intimacy, and especially that which is outside the covenant of a marriage relationship okay we are inundated every now and then with information both information that is solicited and that which we didn't even solicit for we are just being inundated with sexual images and information we are in a culture that is supercharged and super obsessed with sexual intimacy What is the heart of God for sexuality? What is the heart of God for this kind of intimacy? I think it's important for us to know. We know that this is the will of God. That sex should be something between a man and his wife. Anything other than that is a perversion. It's, it's a state of fallenness. You see, when God created Adam and Eve, there wasn't sin in the world. And because there wasn't sin, there wasn't death and pain and suffering. But ever since our first parents chose to rebel against God, sin came into the world. There's brokenness and there's fallenness. Sin came into the world, death followed sin into the world. This is the history of our brokenness. And so, since from Adam, it's been all chaos, and pain, and suffering, and all kinds of misery. Why? Because we have refused to follow the heart of God. Abstinence is something that is shunned. What do we tell our kids? What do we teach young people who are not married? We educate them in all kinds of ways of engaging in sexual intimacy. But we do not teach abstinence. Now I must say that abstinence is the will of God, is the heart of God. Now before I do that, I just want to tell you guys a story. A story that was shared by a concerned parent. Now this parent had a 13-year-old daughter. And the school where his daughter was attending was trying to introduce sexual education and they wanted parents to come and see and have a feel of what this class was going to be like. They wanted parents to come and experience this class, experience the lecture so that they can know what their kids are going to be taught. So this father decided to go. The first surprise he experienced was that not so many people came, not so many parents came, about a dozen or so. So that was the first disappointment. So before um, the sections we had to begin, he was given the, the curriculum, he was given the documents, and he, he began to tom through quickly and was searching. 
what you know this lessons we are going to be like and he found out that abstinence was just mentioned briefly just passing in the passing very briefly mentioned and he was disappointed why talking true and he found out that abstinence wasn't a major topic in this discussion he, he decided to you know speak to the, the teacher and the nurse when they came in the, the teacher was in charge of this meeting was in charge of this gathering when the teacher and the nurse came he called him and said why why isn't abstinence a, a major discussion point and everyone laughed parents laughed and they make the mockery of this concerned parent and he was so embarrassed terribly embarrassed because he felt this should be an issue and he was not able to convince them that this was a, a major issue abstinence so he was so embarrassed and ashamed and he sat down quietly in his seat and they told him that hey we teach facts moral education is for parents and their kids while at home that was a disappointing blow for this concerned parent so as the lectures went by you know as the teachers taught they talked about all kinds of stuff and then they had a break Donuts were being shared at the back of the meeting room, and the parents were advised to go, you know, get name tags and, and, and share donuts and meet with all the parents. But somehow, this concerned parent was concerned for his 13 year old and what she was going to be taught in this school, decided to just sit back. He refused to mingle, and then the nurse came and, and tapped him on his back and said, um, Sir, the gentleman, wouldn't you join the rest of the parents? And he said, No. And he said, Oh, why not go get a name tag? I'm sure they would like to, to meet you. And he said, I don't think so. And she tried to like coerce him and said, Please, could you go meet with the parents? And something inside of these parents said, No, don't go. Stay where you are. Don't go. So eventually the nurse gave up and the whole donut section came to an end. Everyone took their name tags and came back to the seat. And then the teacher continued and the teacher said that everyone should peel off their name tags. Okay? The teacher told the parents, peel off your name tags. I drew a flower behind one of the name tags. Who has this name tag with a flower? And then one of the parents waved his name tag and said i have it and the teacher continued and said this flower represents a sexually transmitted disease a sexually transmitted disease now how many people did you shake hands with and he said oh about two or so people and the teacher said shaking of hands represents sexual intimacy and now everybody laughed and giggled and we are beginning to get the point and she said oh and who did these other two people shake hands with and the teacher's point of view was this is how we're going to teach your kids about the spread of disease through sexual intimacy and remember you're talking about 13 year olds 10 year olds 
people that are young, 12 year old. And everyone laughed and everyone got the point. Everyone said, oh, everyone had the disease since everyone shook hands with each other. Just at this point that the other concerned parent heard a voice inside of him and told him, speak up, but now be humble. And so this parent stood up and apologized for how he may have appeared to have been rude and all that. And he said, not everyone has the disease because one abstained. Wow. He didn't shake hands with the rest of the parents. And I'm sure that drove home the point. Abstinence is the best prevention. Abstinence. Sexual purity is the heart of God. Is the best prevention. Not only from STD of the body, but what of STD of the soul? Spiritually transmitted diseases. Now let's go to the Word of God. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3, it says, For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication. This is the will of God. Isn't isn't this why we are living? To live, to do the will of God? This is our sanctification. This is our separatedness. This is our being set apart. That we should abstain from fornication. What is fornication? All kinds of sexual intimacy outside the bounds of a marriage relationship between a man and a woman. This is the word of God. Abstain from fornication. The word of God didn't say use condoms or use um, all, ki- all, all kinds of bed controls or disease prevention techniques. The Bible says the solution to fornication is to abstain. This is the will of God. Abstain. Abstain from sexual intimacy that is outside of a marriage covenant now you might say oh bright I have I have had sex out of marriage I have not sanctified myself I have sinned and come short of the glory of God I have not done the will of God But I'll encourage you. This is why Jesus came into the world. This is why God sent Jesus. Because we have not done the will of God. We have dishonored God with our bodies. In many other ways. And Jesus was sent into the world to clean us up. To clean us up by the shedding of his blood. What can wash away your sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. There's nothing else that can clean you up but the blood of Jesus. So Jesus never committed any sin. Jesus never broke any of God's commandments. 
But he died on the cross like a fornicator. He died on the cross like someone who'd never abstained from sexual intimacy outside of a marriage. Why? He was being held accountable for all our sins, including our sexual sins. This is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication, the Bible says. But we have sinned against God. We have not sanctified ourselves, not just in matters of sexuality, but in many other ways. And that is why Jesus Christ was crucified. His death is what sanctifies us, cleanses us from our sins. So in Christ Jesus, we are sanctified again. We are restored back to God. That enmity, that divide between us and God is removed. Jesus has breached the gap between us and the Father so we can be reconciled. And after three days in the borrowed grave, Jesus came back to life again. And like I always like to say, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is what sets Jesus apart. Sets him apart from Buddha, from Muhammad, from any other spiritual leader. Because no one was able to overcome the grave. Remember, God told Adam and Eve, the day you sin against me, the day you eat of this forbidden fruit, you are going to die. Death was a problem. And that is why Jesus Christ died and rose again from the dead. His death was our sanctification. His resurrection was a seal that sealed our freedom and victory. Victory over the grave, victory over sin, victory over death. In Christ Jesus, we have complete and perfect victory. In Christ Jesus, you have victory. There's nowhere else. There's no one else. There's no other name given amongst humanity whereby we must be saved. And anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And when God sees you, He no longer sees your sexual sins. He no longer sees how you fail to abstain. He sees you as a new creature in His Son, Jesus Christ. But now that you become a new creature, do not go back to your sexual sins. Now, by the Holy Spirit, you can abstain from sexual immorality, from fornication. Now, you've been empowered by the Holy Spirit to do the will of God, even sanctifying yourself, sanctifying your body. Your body becomes a living sacrifice to God. Glory to God.